The CFL is back and so are we. Hello, hello everybody and welcome to the Canadian Football Countdown, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. I'm Ryan Coop alongside Michael Garrell. Mike, it's good to be back, isn't it? It's good to be back and it's great to be back talking actual football that is actually probably and likely going to happen. Well, yeah, unless something goes wrong in the next couple months, which, I mean, it's COVID and very well could. Uh, It seems like we are on track. The CFL has announced their return to play plan. The season kicks off August 5th uh, between the Bombers and the Ticats. The Grey Cup rematch from 2019, which feels like ages ago at this point. Um, Yeah, CFL is finally coming back. And along with that, we are back behind the mic and uh, getting this podcast back going again. The last time we uh, released an actual episode was probably around February of last year, right after free agency, I think. Uh, we took a break for a while uh, as, you know, the world, everything went on in the world. Uh, we tried to record an episode, I think, last late end of year last year, but then the computer it was on died. Um, and then we did a six hour free agency show live show this February. Uh, but this is the first actual episode in a long time and happy to be back. Um, it's been a while, Mike. Catch us all up. What what's new in the world of Mike? Well, a lot has changed in the last year. I did about a bit. I may have said this on the free agency show, but I did about one month of hockey last year. Grand total of ten games, and then uh, not a whole lot of anything going on. Yeah, not much. Not much could go on, right? And- Slowly but surely, it seems like things are returning towards a normal. Whatever the new normal will be, uh, we're getting back there. And, and one of the main things coming back is, for us is the CFL. Uh, your thought, give us your thoughts on the return to play, how we got here um, after not having a season last year. Um. Quite honestly, Ryan, I'm surprised they're coming back for 14 games. Um, that was my initial take on it. Uh, I thought it would be something on a little bit of a lower end. Um, it seems to me like they've left themselves very, very little wiggle room for something potentially to go wrong. But I have a feeling that we may be in a bit of a different situation uh, this year versus if this would have been last year. So I'm really curious how that's going to going to pan out. I'm really curious uh, how many players actually wind up coming back. Um, there is, are a lot of teams as of right now that are over the 100-player uh, limit. As far as training camp goes, uh, I'm very curious. The initial thing also that jumped out, and this is a purely time constraint issue, I think, is no preseason games. Um, But I also think that, you know, to ask the guy to 
hated life full on and the game, but it means something after not playing in almost a year and a half in some cases. It's going to be very, very serious to me. Um, the other interesting scenario is injuries. I, I think we're going to see a lot of injuries as a result of not playing last year. Some that played maybe in various other football leagues. But if it's anything like what we've seen in baseball and in hockey and in basketball, I think we should get used to a lot of injuries. Yeah, for sure. Let's back up for a second, go back to last year. You know, every other major sports league in North America finds a way to play. The CFL does not, um, which had a lot of people kind of left in the balance of wondering where the CFL's at, um, whether the CFL will come back, whether it could survive uh, a year off and now potentially a second year off because it was just recently we got the confirmation of a season happening. Um, I, I think this is a must that the CFL plays this year if it wants to survive as a league. And uh, it's good to see that it's back because, you know, the one year off, I think they'll be able to still come back from this really strongly. Um, but, you know, two years of no play, you start having guys start looking at other career paths at that point. You have fans starting to look elsewhere potentially. Uh, this was a must, I think, for the CFL to get back to playing this year. Uh, and I know it was a, a, a week ago today, uh, you know, on the 14th, when they we had the Board of Governors meeting to discuss uh, or to vote on whether the teams would play this year. I know there were a lot of CFL fans, myself included, kind of holding our breaths, waiting to see what the end of result was, that was. Ultimately, all nine teams voting to play this year. Uh, and the season is officially on in uh, just a bit under 50 days from now, I believe. Well, let's be honest. I don't think any commissioner has a board of governors vote or calls for one if he doesn't know what the vote is. Um, I know there was some consternation perhaps about what was going to happen in Ontario and perhaps other teams. Um, at the end of the day, I, I think the right decision was made. Uh, I'm not one showing out, uh, you know, millions of dollars uh, to keep these teams afloat. But to me, I just not playing to go along with, you know, kind of what you were saying is, you know, Hockey was able to stomach a one-year lockdown and seemed to have uh, come back better than ever. Uh, no one has ever done a two-year Shut down. Now, granted, COVID is a is a completely different situation, but I, I'm really, really, really curious to see what the financials are going to look like at the end of this year. I, I think it's going to be an interesting year in that sense because you, you talk about well. First of all, I guess the big question is fans in the stands, what's that going to look like around the league, right? You have uh, a couple provinces like, you know, Saskatchewan saying they'll have full capacity at games this year. Uh, Alberta, I believe, has said it as well. Uh, you look at the Manitoba reopening plan as it stands now. Granted, I won't be surprised if that changes uh, to fit along the lines of what the other provinces are planning. 
Um, but it kind of seems like these large scale events won't be, you know, happening here in Manitoba necessarily until the end of the summer. Uh, so whether that means opening night on August 5th, there's fans in the stands, whether it's, you know, a, a lower capacity, a full capacity, we're not exactly sure what that's going to look like quite yet, right? Yeah, I had heard and talking to some people and reading between the lines, but this was going to be a very, very slow process reopening here. Um, Manitoba is in a much different place than Alberta and Saskatchewan. They came out of their third waves sooner because they started before we did. Um, right. I think it's going to be really interesting. I'm curious. Um, I'm curious what the capacity is going to be for that August 5th game, but also, as you remember, um, you know, the Bombers have a boatload of front-end home games, if you will. I think three of the first four are on the road, or sorry, are at home. And then you have the big Banjo Bowl, which is going to be uh, September 11th this year. It would not surprise me if there's some kind of, whether it's 30% or 35% or 40% up to the Banjo Bowl and then the Banjo Bowl being kind of the first full capacity crowd. But in the same sense, like, I, I don't want to, I don't want this to turn into a, you know, vaccine versus non-vaccine debate. Get but, your vaccination. I'll, I'll turn it into that. Get your vaccine. But what I'm trying to say is, why would you limit your crowd to 35% if a lot of, with proof, people uh, wind up having both vaccines and we can have some sense of a normal? So I just, there's a lot more questions when it comes to, I just Winnipeg compared to some of the other markets in the CFL. Yeah, and, and, and just to go back to my comment there about get your vaccine, I should make it clear I, that is not pointed directly at Mike. That is pointed at the general public. Mike himself has gotten his vaccine. We are both pro-vaccine. Get your yeah. vaccine so we can get back in the stadiums and get back to enjoying football, folks. Yeah, I'm waiting. Uh, ironically enough, I've been told that I would – be able to uh, book my second vaccine uh, tomorrow. So by the time you're listening to this podcast, I probably have my second vaccine appointment booked. Awesome. And mine's booked for this this coming weekend. So, hey, August 5th, maybe maybe I'll make it back to the stadium there and get back get back to watching this game we love. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's going to be interesting from that standpoint to see what the stadiums look like on opening night. Yeah. And I'm interested to see what the TV numbers are going to be on opening nights because a year off, you know, some fans may not come back to the CFL, right? If you're more of a, if you're more of a kind of, you know, watch occasionally, maybe, maybe you got other interests. Everybody had found other random interests throughout this pandemic. You know, maybe you're, maybe you're too busy baking bread 
to want to go back to watching the CFL uh, because that was a thing a lot of people took on back at the early stages of this pandemic last year. But uh, but then also you have, you know, we, we saw when the CFL officially said they were going to play again this year, just all, all over Twitter, the outpouring of joy and excitement from CFL fans uh, around Canada and around the world, really, that I, I, I don't know if the interest in this league is going to miss a beat, actually. I hope you're right. And I have to remember in the context of a lot of the people that you and I follow in regards to CFL are of the diehard variety. Uh, right. Fair to say. <laughs> Season ticket holders in a lot of the markets. The biggest thing is not necessarily, and this is with anything, like, you know, my streaming service is going to start, you know, doing live events again, right? And and one of the, one of the key things is that I've always found is you have your diehards that will support you till the end, basically. But it's about catching the uh, the casual fan and hooking the casual fan back on the game now. Easier, easier said than done uh, in certain markets, of course. Right. And then also another question becomes, you know, hesitancy to go back to a large event after, after being, you know, basically confined to our households for the most part for over a year at this point. You know, are we going to see a lower, like, let's say everything is open max capacity at these stadiums. Are as many people going to be willing to go back right away or is it more of a hesitancy uh, well, I don't know if this is quite safe yet. I don't know if I'm quite ready yet at this point. So I see that on one hand, but then I also see the trade-off of, I could almost see, you know, assuming you can have max capacity, almost you get more people in the stands than normal uh, at the start of the season this year, just because everybody has been cooped up in their own homes with no nowhere to go and socialize and really do anything like that for the for a year plus now. So, you know, maybe you actually draw in more casual fans to come to a game just as an outing of sorts once the season starts. Yeah, it's going to be, I think you're going to have to find a, a, a happy medium. Like I said earlier, I'm, I'm really curious what the financial statements are going to look like. I, I think with the Bombers, you have a bit of a, you have a bit of a cushion, right? Because you have the momentum of winning the Grey Cup. Uh, Hamilton, I think you're going to be okay. Ottawa, I think you're going to be okay. Uh, it's Toronto and BC to me that are the question marks. Like you said, right? The people in general, not meaning to single those two markets out in any way, but, you know, it's, it's going to be a challenge. And if you look at a schedule like the Argos where, you know, perhaps you're going to need uh, wins to get people to show up to games uh, to affect, you, you know, your, your, your attendance sales. And to be honest with you, sports is a lot of a 
what are you doing in the moment kind of thing versus what you did the previous year. If you look at it, half of the Toronto Argonaut games are against either the Winnipeg Blue Bombers or the Hamilton Tiger Cats. So, yeah, as good as that is of a draw to you, I, I think teams need to get off to a good start in the non-conventional markets because I think if you're in a non-conventional CFL market, your job of having to sell the product that disappeared for a year for very uh, for a public health emergency just has become that much more difficult, unfortunately. Yeah, and another you know another thing we have to take into account here is um, the effect the pandemic has had on people's finances as well. You know, a lot of people's businesses have been shut down for the better part of a year now. Uh, what does that mean? Is somebody going to be willing to you know go out and spend? as much money maybe on season tickets or on a game here and there as they normally would um, mm-hmm. that could affect kind of the bottom lines for a lot of these teams. But I, I think the CFL has opportunities though, to step up in other areas uh, when it comes to, you know, marketing the league and things like that, that they can use to either draw people back in or draw new fans in. And uh, I think this week they were uh, they were offered up, you know, an opportunity like that on a on a silver platter uh, when a certain member of Edmonton's football team, Shay Ross, uh, went viral this week across Canada and the United States for dipping an Oreo in a glass of milk while do in the middle of a backflip. I don't know if you've seen the video, Mike, but that is absolutely insane. I have, and uh, quite honestly, I'm amazed. And quite honestly, my body hurts after watching that. As somebody who would probably pull a muscle in his back just trying to lean over to uh, dip an Oreo in a glass of milk, I can't imagine trying to do it in the middle of a backflip. But, you know, that video is is all over. I saw it all over Twitter many times. Uh, It brings in some recognition, first of all, to him. Uh, to the CFL, to the, you know Edmonton's football club, and that's great. Things like that, you know, market the talents, market the unique skills of players around the CFL. Get that online content going. Uh, you know, start hitting the markets. Start hitting things like TikTok. Get a C. I don't know if the CFL has an official TikTok account. Uh, I'm not on. I'm not on that platform myself personally. Uh, but that is a big trending platform. And I think it's up to the CFL to explore avenues like that to try to, you know, bring more attention to the league. Uh, and it remains to be seen. I know there's been a lot of discussion lately on uh, whether or not single game uh, sports betting will uh, become legal here in Canada or not. I know that's in discussion right now. That's a huge thing that could draw people in. Yeah, uh, here's here's a very interesting. Uh, there's a very interesting t- statistics. Now, I don't want to, um, I don't want to stray too far from the topic at hand because I didn't do a lot of research on this topic myself. But I read a story where uh, the attention span of the younger generation over time 
has gotten shorter and shorter and shorter. Um, hence why these short videos, such as what uh, Ross did, and you know, minute-long highlights of games are resurrecting with people to try to hook them in to the launder product. But I, I think you really need to also look at ways to use so, social, social elements such as TikTok uh, to get the younger generation hooked on shorter clips and the way the best way to do that in my opinion is market your players and you know if it means giving away a free ticket to a game more than you normally would in a given year that might be what it takes however there's going to have to be significant work done to attract the younger uh audience which has a much shorter attention span, hence why a sport like baseball is starting to look at ways to shorten their game. You can't exactly uh, shorten a football game uh, without shortening the quarters. Um, I think the CFL needs to find a way uh, to keep their games under three hours, uh, closer to the two hours and 50-minute mark. And I think there needs to be entertainment uh, during, during the whistles at halftime to keep people's attention because people's attention spans are getting shorter and shorter. People are going to have less money. People like myself are probably more inclined uh, to go back to a CFL game because we've been a diehard fan uh, for a long time. But you have to remember, people haven't really seen their family in who knows how long. Uh, I know I haven't seen uh, family members since well before, uh, just before the pandemic. So basically early in and around 2020, Mm -hmm. our people didn't want to do that at a CFL game, right? So it's kind of like you you have to almost have a little bit of, Grace isn't the right word, but you have to have an understanding that people's priorities may have changed. And if, you know, a one-minute clip of a guy dunking an Oreo in a, in a glass of milk doing, doing that kind of move does it, I think we need more of it, but it's going to take a collective, collective effort. I've been to get back to where the game was before, especially since it seems to me that the finances have been uh, somewhat exposed and in a not so very good place. I So I, I double checked just because I wanted to fact check myself. The CFL does have an official TikTok account uh, that does have 22,000 followers on it. So they are on TikTok. They are trying to generate some content that way. Uh, I don't know how long they've been on there. It's, I have no idea how to use this platform. I guess I'm old. I don't know. Um, But the CFL is on there with 22,000. So that is one way you can definitely start generating more content. And I I know for a fact that there's other CFL players out there with uh, amazing talents like what Ross did 
this week. So I, I hope we get start getting some more marketing of kind of those talents uh, as we go on, yep. draw more interest into the league that way. No, and the other thing was too, I mean, I was, I've been drawn and, and away from my TV for the better part of the last week, but I've been able to uh, keep up to date with particularly uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs. And I've seen basically 30 second clips of just about every goal on social media uh, to kind of give me the Coles Notes version of what happened. I've been to see if I need to look more and more into that and then try to lure those that younger generation into the stadium and then enhancing the entertainment value of going to the game, which, if I'm being completely honest, the team like the Las Vegas Golden Knights does so well. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's a combination of hockey, hockey meets... So the Soleil meets noise meets, you know, a lot of the things that attract the younger generation. And the Vegas Golden Knights also do a wonderful job, not to get too far off topic, but they do a wonderful job uh, with social media interactions on, on Facebook and Twitter and all those types of things. The CFL is going to have to be outside the box uh, on the road to uh, rebuild, I don't want to say rebuilding a brand, but uh, re-imaging the way younger people see the game. Absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you on that. Uh, you mentioned kind of keeping up with, you know, with the Stanley Cup playoffs while you were away from your TV. And that had me thinking about the online streaming uh, of sports games. And that, and that reminded me that... Uh, you know, you have that option with the CFL now, too. And this was something that I believe uh, the CFL subreddit uh, had brought up uh, and mentioned a little while ago on Twitter, the, the account representing the CFL subreddit, is that there's a promotion on right now for people in Canada. Uh, TSN Direct is like 40% off uh, for, yep. six, for a six-month pass, and that's on until June 30th. So... Uh, and six months from today will be after the Grey Cup, which means uh, 40% off for 60 bucks, roughly. Uh, you can watch every single CFL regular season and playoff game, uh, including the Grey Cup. Uh, that, that's a pretty good deal to me. Uh, you know, more and more people are cutting the cord, cutting out cable uh, these days. Uh, 60 bucks for that. If, you know, I'd pay that if I didn't have cable. Yeah, and I, I just just for context, I mean, I watched when I when I was gone, uh, I was able to find a spot to watch both the Germany uh, Euro Cup team on the weekend and the Montreal Vegas game on on Friday night, and more and more people are watching things on their phone, and that includes uh, the younger generation. And as we've seen during the pandemic. Uh, the NHL has signed a deal uh, with exclusive uh, streaming packages of one of their uh, midweek uh, national packages over to ESPN+. And after this NFL season, Amazon Plus is going to be the exclusive broadcaster of Thursday Night Football. So there's more and more leads catering to 
uh, the streaming services to deal with the cord cutters. And, and as somebody that's used TSN Direct via my, my satellite provider, you get just as you're watching it on TV, assuming you have uh, the appropriate internet connection of uh, somewhat decent speed. Um, it's just a new way to consume the game. And I, I think the CFL needs to do uh, more of that. And they cannot um, rely on the, uh, the not, not the past, but they can't rely on, on old tricks and expect uh, fans to just come flocking back. Now, it's interesting we talk about all of these different, uh, you know, marketing strategies for the CFL, how you bring, draw the fans back in, what you do for all that. Big talking point over the last number of months while we've been away has been the discussions ongoing between the CFL and the XFL on some sort of partnership there. Um we still don't really have any solid idea of what kind of partnership they, they're talking about. Um, there's been a lot of speculation. Will the leagues merge together? Uh, will it just be more kind of an event information sharing? Uh, it doesn't seem like there's any partnership in place for the 2021 season. But how do you see that coordination between these leagues going in the future? Well, I think if you're a lead, I think you, especially um, the XFL, doesn't necessarily have the greatest uh, financial history, if you will. Um, I, I think the CFL owes it to the to themselves and to their to their fan base as the, the XFL to try to find a common sense the key word being common sense, partnership. Now, if you're going to say, okay, you know what, the two leads are going to partner, uh, this is what we agreed to, a partnership can take on many different forms. Yeah. It's, it, it's unfortunate that people right away went to the assumption of, you know what, there's going to be a, you know, a 16-team or a 12-team uh, North American lead, I think that's a little too far down the tracks. I, I think if you're uh, the CFL and the XFL, I think you owe it to each other to at least sit at the table and say, you know, how can we help you? How can you help us? It's not necessarily limited to do you want to form one lead to that like, that as we've discussed before, comes with multiple challenges, but there's no reason that the two sides can't come together and say, okay, we're going to market the two leads together, but they're going to be two separate entities with no, with no, with no, uh, you know, merger inside. I, I think to right away assume that there's going to be some kind of takeover and that there's going to be some kind of merger, I think is a little too far down the road. But And I, I think if you're the CFL and I think if you're the XFL, you owe it to both your fan bases to make sure that no stone is left unturned uh, for the betterment of your business, especially coming out of the pandemic 
especially since both leagues are nowhere near uh, the financial windfall of it is the National Football League. There's no harm in saying, can we talk? There's a difference between, uh, I say this all the time, there's a difference between can we talk versus having some kind of formal partnership. And I credit both sides. Number one, for admitting that there were discussions going on. And number two, that we haven't heard much from these discussions. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. There's zero to lose from having the conversation. Like, we should be celebrating the fact that they're having a conversation of some point. Now, I say that with an asterisk if it ends up being, you know, like what we, you know, you were talking about merger potentially. I agree with you that I, I don't think these leagues are going to merge together. And that's just personal opinion. That's not based on any info or insider knowledge we've gotten or anything. I just, I don't see them going down that path either uh, of a full league merger. But I, I do think they have things that they can gain from one another in, in this partnership in terms of marketing for one another. I mean, you look at the CFL, look who owns the XFL. It's Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Yep. Who, doesn't, who doesn't love Dwayne The Rock Johnson? Right. Uh, and not to mention I, he's a former CFL player. Right. And we talked about recognizable names injecting some whether I don't believe it's going to be financial windfall, but just the name, the name to associate yourself with a name like that, to me, there's no harm to the brand. Like if you're telling me that Dwayne Rock Johnson is going to go start marketing the CFL to people in the States, sounds good to me. Sold. I'll take it. Like that's a yeah. huge boost. His, his, his online following is, Probably up there is one of the highest, I would think. Yeah. You know, so it, if, that, just... if that's the type of partnership we have here, and I think there's other things you can gain from one another too. You know, the CFL has some great rules in place that I personally find a lot of the CFL rules I like more than the American rules. I love the three down game, for example. Yeah. Uh, the XFL, I think also, you know, the brief stint we got to see it last, uh, last year before. Yeah. Did they play a couple games last year before the pandemic started? Yeah. Yeah. And then they shut down about a uh, couple of weeks into the season. Yeah. But I thought they had some fun rules in there as well that I think, you know, make football interesting as well. So why not have a bit of a discussion? On, on these sorts of things. And, you know, maybe maybe it's not, okay, you're going to take my whole rule set or I'm going to take all of yours. Maybe it's, okay, let's have this discussion. Here's why we decide to go this route normally. And it's like, oh yeah, that's actually not a bad idea. Hmm, maybe we'll implement that rule ourselves. Like it's not yeah. a left side, right side, you know, one side's taken over situation here. It, it, there's the potential for each side to grab a small little piece out of this and benefit from it. Yeah, it's a very interesting scenario. And I wouldn't be shocked, Ryan, if there's something in here for the players, i.e. they can go to play in these spring leads uh, to make themselves a little bit more money, right? Because we know that, you know, what the, the, 
SFL isn't rich on cash. The CFL isn't rich on player salary. Uh, to this point, it ought to be NFL by a long shot. I think if you can get players that could play in both leagues and vice versa, off season, in season, you know, I, I think there's some benefit to that. And if it's just as simple as, you know, a marketing session, brainstorming session, hey, kind of like what you were alluding to earlier, I don't see any harm. I, I think there's more challenges when you start talking about uh, exactly that, where it's like, okay, do you want to merge this into a North American uh, spring football league? You know, eight teams in Canada or nine teams in Canada. And it's talked about a tent, but to be honest with you, I don't see all that happening now. Um, yeah, it kind of feels like it's on hold at the point at this moment, right? Uh, it just to me, it doesn't make any sense, especially since the government on the Atlantic side of it, um, you know, has very little appetite for CFL type stadium. Well, that's a non-starter. But getting back to it, I, I think, you know, there's a lot of challenges uh, when it comes to merging two leads, like which rules are you going to play under, not less which salary structure, not less what your roster structure is going to look like. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I would say that is like furthest down the tracks from happening. Yeah, I would, I would agree with you on that one. And, and, you know, maybe we see a bit of, like, maybe we see a bit of crossover here. Maybe we see an exhibition game here and there between a CFL team and an XFL team. Maybe we see, I don't know, like a CFL All-Stars versus XFL All-Stars game at some point. Um, maybe both leagues have their own championships and then the winners of each league face off in a North American championship. I've seen... I've seen, you know, people throwing all these sorts of ideas out there and, and I don't necessarily have a problem with them. I, I, I could see there being interest in, in things like that. Why, why not have these discussions, right? Yeah, it, it doesn't hurt the thought, like I said. Yeah, exactly. And so we'll see, we'll see where the CFL and the XFL go from here, but uh, it seems like we are continuing with the CFL as we know it, heading into the 2021 season. Uh, but as a perfect segue here, uh, we're not continuing with one team as we know it, uh, because one team has a new name mm -hmm. for the 2021 season. The Edmonton football team is now officially the Edmonton Elks. <laughs> um, well, Ryan, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this. If we would have done a podcast the week after the show, I, I would have said, no, I don't like it. No, you know what? You couldn't have thought of something better. But as time has gone on, uh, the name has really started to grow on me. And I think it was seeing that logo on a shirt, seeing that logo on a jersey, seeing the contextual aspect of the jersey. I had the same kind of feeling early on when I saw the Winnipeg Jets logo. I like, that's the Winnipeg Jets logo. And then I saw it on a jersey, and I gave it some time, 
and I have it on a t-shirt. And you know what? It's not that bad. And that's my feeling with this. Yeah, to start off, I mean, the fact that they changed the name was the most important part to me. I don't care what it ended up turning into. They went with Elks. I like Elks. But if they went with something else that wasn't offensive to anybody, I would be okay with that. I would live with it too. I'm just happy they finally changed the name. Uh, I think it was long overdue. And I think they only ended up changing it because they got enough public pressure and backlash that they finally committed to it. It didn't seem like it was out of their own urgency necessarily to do so, at least from my perspective. I don't know if you disagree on that. Uh, but they finally changed the name to something that doesn't offend people. And that that's common sense. That should be common sense. And I'm happy they made the change. And they're now the Edmonton Elks. And I think that's great. Yeah, and I, I think too, I mean, you want to talk about a financial win for if it comes with the rebranding? No better time to do it, even though I think, I think personally the name change came too late. I'm glad the name change happened. And you know what? It's, 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 it's a dead situation for everybody. And the logo, like you mentioned, it looks beautiful. And I think there's a lot they can do with the Elks name. My only gripe with it is, is I struggle with the grammar of it. I, I struggle with that darn S at the end. I feel like I know Elks is officially a recognized plural version of Elk, but the main one used is just Elk. Multiple Elk or Elk. Yeah. You know, I, I, I find the Edmonton Elk a lot easier to say than the Edmonton Elks put that extra yeah. at the end uh, th that's literally the only gripe i had with the announced new name of it but i mean that's one that we'll just get used to over time uh yeah team team names are interesting i mean you have the red blacks that the uh, ottawa's team is literally just named after two colors yeah so no, I thought I thought Edmonton knocked out of the park with the unveiling of this. I, I think there's a lot they can do with Elks. Uh, you know, much like the Manitoba Moose AHL hockey team here, I, I expect we'll see you know fans, uh, you know, kids in the stands having antlers, uh, those yep. little foam antlers they can wear on their heads, and that's going to be a lot of fun for them. Uh, you know, for noisemakers, you can get some elk calls going. Um, cool. You know, you have the charging elks uh, as, as part of, you know, kind of your game day production. Well, I'm not talking about actually getting a bunch of elk and uh, <laughs> bringing them onto the field to charge. But I don't know. Hey, maybe maybe Battle of Alberta. We get the horse running down the one sideline and an elk. Maybe we get a race at halftime. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Uh, but I think they did. I, I think they knocked it out of the park with the eventual uh, unveiling of this. I think, yeah, it took a little longer than everybody expected, but uh, they got it right. And we talked earlier how many people will come back to the, the CFL after a year away. Look no further than the merchandise sales since they un veiled this new team name and new logo and everything. Merchandise has been flying off the shelves in Edmonton. Like there's people clearly oh, that, that are big fans. 
to be interested and to make things one thing abundantly clear. Organizations should not be hiring people like myself to come up with these team names. Because the last couple of times there's been a new team name. They have been absolutely terrific. And trust me, I do not have the creative genes to come up with something like that. Yeah, I, I probably wouldn't either. Um, so the other interesting thing I find, though, is they wanted to stick with a name that started with E. Uh, so that they could keep the double E logo. They unveiled, what was it, like six names that they wanted the, the public to give their input in or season ticket holders to give their input in. And they ended up choosing Elks from there. And they all started with E's. You had like the Energy, the Eclipse, the, the Elk Hounds. I, I don't remember what all of them were. But presumably they were... No, they never went with that one. That was not one of the ones because I think there's some other, you know, issues with that for the same reasons they need to change the name in the first place uh, but they presumably wanted to stick with the the e name so that they could keep using their double e logos but then they went and changed the logo entirely anyways yeah i i'm not even sure uh, but the, what i expected was at least what the thought was, we didn't want to change the helmet logo, the EE, the conceptual, but then they went ahead and changed it anyway, which, I don't know, they may have had something fun after they saw how good that out logo was. Now, granted, I think the double E logo is still going to play into, you know, like third jerseys or things like that, right? Where, where they'll make their appearance on merchandise and things like that still, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's interesting, right? The biggest thing with coming up with a concept is you want an open-ended concept that over time you can expand. And you can, uh, you can expand on that pretty well, I think, with the Elks. There's a lot they can do there. Yeah, there's a lot as far as third jerseys and Elk bugles and all those types of things you mentioned earlier. So, And it's not an offensive name anymore. So everybody no, kind of wins here. Yeah, exactly. No, oh, it was a good idea. I'm, I'm happy they changed it, and I'm happy with the result, and I, I can't wait till we get to watch the Edmonton Elks out on the field. And if we can go the, and if we can go the entire year, because I know what we're, we're definitely going to put the effort in, because I don't want to ever use the old name again. Right. Um, if we can go the whole year with getting the name right, then that's a success. So... Who wins the race between the Herd of Elk and the Stampeders? I don't know. How fast can an elk run? I feel, uh, like, I feel like I'm going to need to start getting, like I'm going to need to do some animal research here, like online research, not, not research on animals, um, and, and learn more about, you know, the animal, the elk, uh, to just get some fun facts ready for the podcast all season long. Yeah, I, I just I imagine that from a standpoint of like the Battle of Alberta, right? You know, you got the you got the Stampeders and you got the uh, and the Elk. I mean, that's a pretty pretty close enough comparison. The two teams don't really like each other. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of the Stampeders, have you seen they unveiled their new jerseys? 
I like it. I love it. I like those jerseys too. Yeah, nice bright red I'm, with red with white stripes, right? What is that? Their 75th anniversary jerseys, as I recall? I believe so. I don't recall off the top of my head, but I think that is. Yeah, true. I know. I, I I saw a picture and I was like, what is this? And then I said, oh, that looks beautiful. Again, knocking it out of the park with the designs, right? Right. Yeah. 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 No, it's, 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 it's good. But the problem is how are you going to mark? I mean, again, a new marketing windfall that comes from that. I'm just so excited to see these teams out on the field again in a couple months, Mike, we're, we're less than two months away from kickoff on the season opener. And I'm just so excited. I can't wait to see these new jerseys, these new logos, the same old players we love, the new ones that are going to be coming up uh, and making a name for themselves this year. I cannot wait to see them all out on the field. Yeah, me, me too. It's the winds of change are blowing, and this is just part of the way. So we're we're going to get into talking more about the schedule uh, that has been unveiled about you know kind of individual teams maybe division previews and stuff in the coming weeks i think we're going to kind of try to you know keep at this weekly until the season starts just so we can get the full momentum going uh, before the season starts you know work off some of the rust from not doing this for about a year or so uh, but for today, uh, cause we'll save all that stuff kind of, what are some of the big storylines for you coming into the 2021 season? Well, I, I've been plain and simply who comes back. Um, what shape are these players in? Um, cause I was really taken aback by a comment, I can't remember who made the comment. It may have been Craig uh, Dickinson, who's, who was paraphrasing, and I might get uh, the exact quote wrong, but he was saying, you know, gee, I hope my veteran players are ready to play because if not, they're going to be somebody younger ready to take their spot. And I heard that comment and was like, yeah, to be completely honest with you, but, you know, I can't help but think that there were eight other coaches other than him that kind of had that very same thought. Um, and then I'm very curious to see the guys that have had uh, kind of tied in with this one. It's kind of two points, but it's kind of one. Those guys that have had injury struggles uh, in recent years leading up to uh, 2019, how those guys respond, and if that maybe leads to a revitalized career for somebody that has had uh, their fair share of injury issues. Yeah, you mentioned Craig Dickinson, and, and I think, you know, another comment I had seen out of Saskatchewan was that, uh, you know, we might see some surprise cuts in training camp at this year. And I mean, some of these teams have over a hundred guys coming to camp. You have to remember, we have two years of draft classes, two years of, 
you know, prospects or guys they've scouted from you know, around North America, around the world that they, they may have brought in now. Normally it's just uh, one year. So, I mean, a hundred people in training camp, you're going to have to start whittling that down pretty quick, uh, especially with no preseason games. So do but you think, think, do you think we're going to end up seeing teams kind of stick like, are we going to see that many surprises without a whole lot to go off of without the preseason games for these teams? Or are we going to see teams more stick with uh, stick with the guys they know, is my question. I, I, I think if you're Winnipeg, and this is the inclination that I've gotten out of the Blue Bombers, is that they're going to stick with what they have. Uh, what got them to that great cup championship. But you raise a very, very important question. And I, I think that's going to be answered in the first game or two is how many of these guys, number one, uh, still come back and play? How many of these guys still come back and play but have lost a step? And how do you tweak your roster Right, so that you can keep the maximum number of guys around, which allows you some flexibility. To me, I, I, I think this year more than any is going to be a complete, I don't know what to expect in the whole lead because I think to base off how a team did in 2019, i.e., Hamilton, you know, being a runner up. Uh, Ottawa not having a great season, the Bombers winning the great cup. All that is kind of gone by the wayside, even more so than it would be if they had just won the championship last year. So there's going to be a lot of interesting pieces about how you try to keep some guys around. And I think this year more than any is where the scouts will earn their money and mm-hmm. will have to try and try to, to the best of their ability to defend their guy. But they spent all the time recruiting, making a case to the coach that, yes, this guy hasn't shown it in practice and in what we expect will be some kind of scrimmage practices. I know Winnipeg, was in talks with Saskatchewan about one of Saskatchewan, and Edmonton was in talks with uh, with Calgary. I just, just hold on, just let me hold you there for one second. I'm really not sure how that's going to be allowed for teams to do this, right? Especially since we're in a nine-team league. How is it fair if eight teams pair up and go and practice and basically play a preseason game together, and one team? is just left with nothing. But what, what else do you do? You can't play against your own guys for three weeks. Well, like I, how do you, how do, how do you evaluate your team? Otherwise have a formal, if you're going to do these games anyways, have a formal preseason. I don't know. Yeah. But sorry, me, get back, get back to the point you were making there. Sorry for cutting you off. No, but to, to me, I, I, I see what, what you're saying, but, to me, the scouts are going you know, earn their money more so this year than maybe in any other year. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. 
the, the other point you had made, you know, the other storyline you had talked about was guys potentially recovering from injuries and th- and things like that. That to me is all, that was also one of my big storylines for this year is what is this going to look like uh, in the first couple of weeks of the season for with all of these players missing a year in between? Uh, I, I think of a couple different sides of this one. I think of the players who are maybe already starting to get up there in age for a CFL career. Now that's an extra year gone by. They're an extra year or two older since they last played. Uh, will they be back at the same level we last saw them at? Uh, and then obviously the flip side of things, like you said, is maybe some of these guys that were nursing injuries at the end of the 2019 season that weren't quite ready to go yet by 2020, maybe they're perfectly healthy now. I look no further than Hamilton, uh, where we had questions at the end of 2019 about Jeremiah Mazzoli and what his health would be. Uh, coming into the next season. Well, I, I would presume he's healthy by now. Uh, so that makes that quarterback situation of Dane Evans and Mazzoli uh, a little more interesting there. I think it's going to be like, as we get into the final weeks before the season starts, you know, we're going to make our preseason predictions as we do every year. And I, I already don't have no idea how, where I'm going to go with this because there's so much that has changed over the course of two years and so many unknowns that I think it's going to be harder than ever to make predictions about this season. Especially since, uh, especially since uh, you don't see the Dyson game action until I just appear. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you one group of people that is really liking this development, and that's the coordinators. They can keep all their plays under wraps until the opening games of the season, not have to worry about showing their 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 cards as far as what plays are coming. It, it's a win for those guys, but a loss for everybody else. I'm going to be disappointed if I don't see the absolute craziest trick play I've ever seen in the CFL in my time watching it on opening night, because you've had two years to draw this up. Yeah. I'm kidding, of course, but. It's it's going to be very interesting. And I think what we're going to see is I think we're going to see a lot of penalties in the first four or five weeks. It's going to be not the greatest football to watch. And I think we better settle settle ourselves in for what is going to be a heck of a finish. And Ryan, I think the CFL needs to take advantage of that option that they have in that new CBA and add two new playoff teams. So you think they should go to the teams in the playoffs? Because I know that's been discussed the last few weeks. Absolutely, I think they should. And heck, why not have a nine-team tournament? Have a one-game playoff between the bottom two, and then one plays eight, two plays seven, three plays six, four plays five. If there was any year for it, it was this year. You need the money. I, yeah, I, I get what you're saying with that, and I agree with you. If you're going to go to an eight-team playoffs, might as well make it nine teams. But I don't know. I, I, I don't. I'm not a big fan of that idea uh, from 
like as a fan of the league, because I think it's good to have some teams missing the playoffs. Uh, you, you, you look at hockey, you know, you got to win a seven game series. A lot of times the, the, the higher seeded team is going to go on to win that. Uh, but you look at football. I mean, we're, we're used to each season having a large handful of games that are just upsets that we never saw coming And then so you get into the playoffs, okay, every team made the playoffs. Well, then there was nothing really you played for in the regular season besides uh, placement and who you're facing the playoffs. And it's anybody could win on any given game, potentially. Like it almost to me invalidates half the regular season if you have every single team making the playoffs, uh, especially when each series or round in the playoffs is a single game. Yeah, well, and, and to be honest with you, I think that addition of the two playoff teams was a caveat. If, if, if in the event they had to cancel, for whatever ever reason, some regular season games. Yeah, I, if they have to cancel it and they add the two playoff teams just to make it fair, sure, I'm fine with that. Uh, especially, you know, this, this, this will probably be a unique year. Right, how this whole all thing play whole thing plays out. Uh, so if it ends up with eight teams making the playoffs, nine teams making the playoffs, yeah, I don't love the idea as like a continuation. Like, want to see this going forward, but I'll take it this year. I just want football back. And I, I think I think an extra playoff game in some markets would be the difference between having a really bad year financially and actually the perhaps having an okay year. I would agree. That's that's fair. And, and I think if there's any other, if there's any year to try it, it's this year. I mean, it's already going to be a weird year as it is. Why not? Why not add some juice? You want eyeballs on the product. There's no better way than a chaotic playoff format to do that. So correct me if I'm wrong, though. So as of right now, it's still a 16 playoffs, as we as they've discussed. But you're you're saying as the season goes along, they have an option in the CF in the CBA uh, to I, add two more, or are we officially at six teams for this year now? I am waiting for clarification on that. Um, that wasn't to me abundantly clear. Uh, the way the schedule was kind of set up, it made you. You're led to believe that at least their plan is to have the normal uh, playoff, um, the normal uh, playoffs, because if you look at it, um, it's East and West semifinals and then East and West final and then Grey Cup. But I guess that could be altered. But again, I cannot see that being altered, barring an extrangulating circumstance in season to me a playoff format has to be agreed to prior to kickoff the way that schedule is set up tells me that it's that it's playoffs as normal yeah that's what i'm thinking as well i think i unless you know parts of the season get canceled due to covid i think changing that mid-season is absolutely like that doesn't make sense to me to be able to change that mid-season so uh, maybe it was something they were considering and they've now decided against it. Uh, maybe it's something, you know, they can put in those extreme circumstances, like you mentioned. 
we we certainly know there's been some leagues that just haven't had playoffs right due to COVID. The AHL, I don't think, had playoffs this season. It was just the regular season. Uh, so there's plans for playoffs as of right now. Uh, but I think to me, that's the biggest storyline still and the biggest question mark for this year is how does COVID impact uh, this season? Because it seems like, you know, places in Canada are slowly exiting the third wave now. It looks like the third, the, the peak of the third wave is behind us in most of these provinces at this point uh, and places are starting to get ready to open more up again. Uh, but there's also been talk of due to the Delta variant, there being a fourth wave coming in the fall, which happens to be right during the um, mm-hmm. big part of the CFL season. You know, what happens if case numbers in cities start going up again? Are fans going to start being, you know, held away from games? And what does that mean for the bottom line? And what does it mean for the players and the teams as well? Uh, you know, I've seen reports. I think it was John Hodge on his uh, insider insider talk column from Three Down Nation uh, this week or last week. Uh, you know, somebody had mentioned that their team was probably only about half the guys on the team were vaccinated at this point. And so, what happens if COVID gets into the locker room? for some of these teams. It's a big question mark on the season. And uh, I don't think we know now how it's going to play out because you look at what happened with the NHL this season and early on in the year, it was a lot of the teams in the States, you know, had games canceled. We had a couple of teams that had a lot of players end up with COVID on and games postponed and things like that. And we didn't really see anything in the North division at all throughout the whole season until kind of later on later at the end, Vancouver got hit really hard there. So, and and that caused, you know, a shakeup of the whole schedule that way. So I don't think we truly know what's going to happen with this season. And like you said, uh, it's going to be a unique and it's going to be an interesting year. Um, Speaking of which, this is just a thought that came to my head as you were speaking. Um, how married to the divisional format are you for this year? Like to the East versus, like to keeping it as two divisions versus playing as one? Yeah, just because the schedule seems so unbalanced in some ways, and we can get into that next week. Uh, but I know the, the Stampeders and the and the uh, St. Peter's and the Riders play each other three weeks, three games in a row uh, from a Saskatchewan standpoint. Uh, Hamilton and Toronto play each other four times. Uh, Winnipeg doesn't see Ottawa, but sees uh, both Toronto in Toronto and Toronto here. Um, Winnipeg doesn't make a trip to Ottawa at all. Um just because of that, are you would the one nine team division be something of interest to you? I don't have a problem at all with one division. I, I think one division, nine competitive teams, like you said, it's almost like I mean, at this point, it doesn't seem like we're set to go for the season. I don't think any of these things we've talked about are changing for this year, but it was kind of like almost like, well, if you were going to try it out for a year. This is probably the one to do it. But on the counterpoint, 
do you want to risk trying out all these new things that you don't know how fans are going to perceive when you're coming back after taking a year off and your financial future is a little bit murky, right? I, yeah, but I, the only thing I would say to that is having one division is kind of more a fair representation of what your playoff matchup will be. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and I think you make this argument every year. Or you, you raise the one division question almost every year once we start looking at the standings. And typical years, it's the West division is stronger and the East division is uh, you know, a little lower down if you look at overall standings. And I don't know, I, I'd be fine with a nine-team league and I'm fine with it being as it is. I don't know if I have a huge preference either way, uh, personally. So I think whatever makes sense from a schedule perspective and where things go this season is kind of what makes the most sense. I I agree though. There's some oddities in that schedule. Uh, I was floored when I took a look at it and saw Winnipeg didn't play Ottawa at all. I don't understand how you just don't play a team, uh, this year in a nine team league, but Hey, to sum it all I, up, I was, we got uh, a schedule. Ever rec- yeah, you know what? And I can't even ever recall, and we'll talk about this next week, but I can't ever recall a team starting with four straight home games. Mm. Yeah, none coming to mind off the top of my head. I know teams have had some pretty strong uh, home stands to start a season before, but... In a fourteen-game I mean, season, four games at home to start the year—that's uh, that's over half your home schedule right there. Yeah, no, I've seen two straight home games. I've seen three straight home games, but a bye week in between. Uh, I cannot recall the last time I saw four straight. I'll dig that up for you for next week and uh, see if I can get to the bottom of when the last time that was. Um, but I think that pretty much does it for today, unless you have any uh, final thoughts you want to bring up here, Mike. No, I'm just very chatty, and I'm very happy to be doing what we're doing today. For sure. We will be back, like I said earlier, uh, every week, hopefully, tentatively, uh, leading up to the CFL season, and then, of course, all season long. Um, follow us on Twitter at CFC on Mike FM. Uh, you can find me on Twitter as well. I don't really tweet normally, uh, but you can find me there at Cooper Trooper 42. Uh, you can find Mike at Mike Garrell, uh, and you can find the podcast, uh, well, where you're listening to it right now, uh, and all the other podcast platforms. So, uh, yeah, we're back. We're excited to be back, uh, and looking forward to talking about CFL all season long and couldn't be happier and more excited and more anticipating of August 5th when these teams take the field again to kick off the new year. Uh, I will tease our podcast listeners just on the way out. Sure thing. We may have an exciting announcement uh, prior to the start of the season. Yes, we are working on some things, and uh, you will hear all the announcements when they're ready to go. Uh, But that does it for today. Uh, So for Michael Garrell, I'm Ryan Coop saying thank you for listening to this episode of Canadian Football Countdown. Have a good one. Take care, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.